Arkansas beat Cincinnati by a final score of 31 to 24 to start the season 1 and 0 on the season and we're going to talk about three of the biggest takeaways that I had from Arkansas's victory over the Bearcats over the weekend here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 103.7 The Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. I know I sure did, because you're talking about Arkansas getting the victory over Cincinnati, which was a uh, really, really solid victory and a, uh, a win that we will take all day long, because anytime that you can win a game, it's always big. But to beat a top 25 team like Cincinnati, coming into this game uh, is huge. Now, was it the uh, blowout fashion that I predicted? Of course not. Um, you know, that that one, that, that just wasn't going to happen. But it was still fun. It was a still fun game, and there were some good things to take away and some not-so-great things to take away. So I'm going to give my three. And honestly, it's like I have a really one really good one, one like needs improvement one, and then one that's kind of just a general deal because I think that there's kind of umbrella things that are under there too. That And there's a lot more I could take away. These are just the thing, three things that I thought of the first thing uh, from this game. And I'll, I'll start with the, I don't know, should I start with the negative or the positive? I don't know. I, okay, how about this? How about this? I'll start with the positive. I'll start with the positive. Let's, let's go on a good note here. Uh, the first big positive I had was Trey Knox. Now, Trey Knox, as we know, is a, is a guy that's been at the University of Arkansas for quite some time. He's had quite the journey. Going into his fourth season, he came here under Chad Morris his freshman year. He had a pretty good amount of production, or at least comparatively to the other wide receivers. He scored more touchdowns than any other wide receiver, and uh, he had a really great freshman year. His sophomore year was a non-factor. Didn't even really play. Didn't even know if it, like where he was half the time because uh, Traylon Burks really shined out. And then last year, he had kind of a transitional thing where they were like, all right, well, we can't get him on the field at wide receiver. It's just not happening. But maybe we can put him in kind of this hybrid tight end position, even though he's not built like a stereotypical tight end. And let's just kind of see how he can do with that. And he showed some signs of some real good potential there. Obviously, the blocking and, and being a little bit smaller wasn't uh, exactly helpful to him. But uh, after an offseason and coming back this year and, and staying with it, sticking with the program and sticking with Razorback football, he comes out as a tight end and has a huge game yesterday where he had six catches for 75 yards and two touchdowns. His first multi-touchdown game in his uh, hit, a career as a Razorback. And also, he had more touchdown catches in this game than he did all last season combined. So really stood out there. And I can't tell you how awesome it is to see that with Trey Knox. Uh, we, I think we were all pretty hopeful from you know where he was at in his position that maybe, just maybe, he would be able to be a guy that they could count on a tight end because they haven't found any consistency at that position. You know, Blake Kern last year, he's gone. Uh, Hudson Henry just is a non-factor, I guess. Like he's just not even on the, not even on the, uh, on the field most of the time. Uh, Nathan Bax has been there, but you know, you don't really know much about him. Everybody was looking at Trey Knox and saying, okay, we could see this working because we know he's got great hands. We know he's got a wide receiver mentality. We know he's athletic. Can he do all the other things as far as the tight end goes to transition into that position? Can he make it happen? And 
I think it's pretty safe to say that, yeah, he, he's pretty good at that. So he takes care of business and has a huge game for Arkansas. And I just think that having a weapon like that, a, a guy that size, a guy with that uh, mentality of almost like a wide receiver and, and all those things, that's going to be nothing but great for Arkansas, especially when they get an SEC play and going up against some really good defenses. Having a, a middle-of-the-field guy or a guy that can run as well as any tight end in the country and have the athleticism to go with it, he's going to be one of the quarterback's best friends, uh, especially when it comes to K.J. Jefferson. Now, all the other wide receivers honestly played really well. Like that catch by Jaden Hazelwood uh, for his touchdown, that was awesome. Like that was a great throw and it was a great catch there. Uh, that was great. Matt Landers, you saw a little bit of a uh, little bit of his ability there, too, here and there. Um, didn't really get a whole lot of the other wide receivers in, as involved in this game, but still looked pretty good, looked for the part, and looked like uh, Arkansas was really doing some good things in the passing game. Uh, offense in general was great, uh, I believe. I mean, Rocket Sanders goes out there and uh, has his first 100-yard game, uh, 20 carries, 122 yards. And uh, or 117 yards, I should say, because he did lose some. He didn't get a touchdown, but he did have a 37-yard run. He's averaging almost six yards a carry, so that was awesome. And then KJ uh, got 87 yards added to the mix, and also a touchdown on him for rushing. And KJ had three touchdown passes. So again, the offense was great. So we could really dive into all that specifically. Um, you know, the offensive line. People were talking about, man, they just they they weren't blocking. No one was blocking. I was like, man, I we'll, we'll use this point a little bit later, but I think that was more of a credit to Cincinnati's defensive front. Uh, but I, I'm really encouraged. In fact, I would say I'm even more encouraged by the Razorback offense now than what I was before the game because the way that they have different weapons and guys that you were hopeful that, that could get involved did get involved. I mean, the guys you were hopeful for, like Jaden Hazelwood, you were hopeful for him being a factor. He was. You were hopeful for Trey Knox, a tight end, being a factor. He absolutely was. Like, you were hopeful for this, and uh, they really showed out and really looked good, too. And at the running back position, even uh, I think it's Rashad, is it Dubinian or Dubinian or something like that? I don't know. I, I'll figure out how to pronounce his name, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, but even as a freshman, he looked good. So you get Dominic Johnson back at some point in time. That'll be huge for the running back room. Uh, KJ still doing KJ things, doing doing his thing, which is awesome. You can tell he looks a little bit faster from last year, maybe a lot faster than last year. Uh, so overall, just I, I love where the offense was, but I think it really showed out with Trey Knox. Um, and again, because of his journey and, and how, um, you know, it, it's crazy it's been. And I started thinking about just the skill position guys in general. Like you got big dudes across the board. Like you have your starting three wide receivers are all six, three or above. And Matt Landers is six, five. You're tied in now with Trey Knox is six, five, like two forty. KJ six, three, two forty. You got rocket Sanders six, two, two thirty. Dominic Johnson comes back. He's like six, one, two thirty. I mean, you got some big old dudes back there. And I think that um, the more and more as the time and, and as the season progresses, the better the offense will end up being. And so that's kind of where my hope is lying to. And I think that Trey Knox will be a big part of it. And so I don't know. I just I, I look at trends. I like to look at history. I like to look at, OK, what did we see in year one under Sam Pittman? What did we see under year two under Sam Pittman? How did it transition? How did it go? How did it look? I think overall it was. Uh, something that really showed improvement in the offense side of things, as long as everybody stays healthy uh, as time went on. So uh, that's my first takeaway, and we'll talk about some of the other takeaways I had here in just a second. But folks, if you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of the greatest joys. And guess what? There is a new flavor. It is cookie dough. I love cookie dough, and I love chocolate. And so when it's both things put together, 
it ends up being just absolutely incredible. It's a cookie dough chunk puff. It's amazing. It has 100% real chocolate covered in it. And you can enjoy eating cookie dough without the hassles of making it. So that's really the best thing. And the best thing about it is that it's actually healthy. That's a pretty big deal, too. So if you haven't tried it, give it a shot. I promise you won't be disappointed. You can go to their website at built.com and you can use promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off your next order. It's as simple as that. LOCKEDON15 will get you 15% off. Doesn't matter how many you buy. Doesn't matter how many you eat. Doesn't matter if you buy out the whole store, that's fine. 15% off over at built.com. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so continuing on uh, with our takeaways from the uh, Razorback game against Cincinnati. I know Sam Pimmons actually going to be meeting with the media later today, so uh, some of you are listening to this and uh, may have some news break. Hopefully, it's nothing too crazy or too sudden. Um, but if anything breaks and you don't hear it on this podcast, it was because it was recorded before the press conference. So, uh, But we'll talk about that, anything that came, comes out of that press conference tomorrow. So just stay tight and or hang tight, and we'll, uh, we'll have that going on. But uh, I mentioned something I really liked, or at least a positive. Now we got to get into the negative um, because there were some things, as encouraged as I may be, I was also looking at some of the things where I'm like, okay, this this needs to change. This needs to look better. This needs to, you know, do this, do that, whatever it is. And I think you can do both. I want to preface this by saying I think you can still be encouraged. You can still feel good about the season. You can still feel you're a good football team while also realizing that there are some things that need to be improved on. Even Sam Pittman would probably say that. Uh, but the first thing, of course, is the cornerback position. Now, I was actually pretty high on, on the cornerbacks because I'm like, okay, well, you got some transfers in. Uh, you got some experienced guys coming back. Uh, best case scenario, you're better than what you were last year. Worst case scenario, you're just as good. Like, I didn't think that the cornerbacks were going to take a step back. And in this game, and it should have made sense. Like, it should have made sense from when Sam Pittman was talking about it all fall camp where he's like, no cornerback. It's been a battle there because nobody's been able to step up and stand out. And that was, I think, pretty obvious in the uh, game against Cincinnati. Now, Again, I'm not saying that it's just trash. Like some people like to overreact, saying, "Oh, our cornerbacks suck." Easy, okay? <laughs> you held your defense held them to 17 points or, or 24 points. It's not not like you're uh, not like they're just absolute, you know, terrible. But there were a lot of deficiencies, uh, especially over the top and man on man man coverage. Uh, guys got beat a lot. Uh, Ladarius Bishop was a guy that I was really disappointed because he's a guy who's experienced. He played last year, and there were back-to-back plays. He just got ripped, and Oregon, and Cincinnati ended up scoring a big touchdown from that. So that was disappointing. Um, I think that uh, Dwight McLaughlin with a pick, that was big, uh, but you can still see that he's figuring things out. He's, he's getting to that point. My guy Hudson Clark played well. I, in fact, I would make the argument that, uh, between uh, him and Dwight that they were the best cornerbacks on the field. And so I think that that may be your starters going forward. But when the other guys came in after those guys, that's where it really got dicey. And so the, adding into that mix, then we'll find out today, hopefully more about it from Sam Pittman. We'll know the situation with Miles Slusher and Jalen Catalan. Both those guys went out of the game. Miles Slusher's looked bad, but Sam Pittman said that he thought he was going to be fine in the press conference. Jalen Catalan, we don't know. But I did see Jalen Catalan on the sidelines after the game. He didn't have any pads on. 
and he seemed in good spirits and he also didn't have a cast or anything because i think people saw that it looked like it was a shoulder but he didn't have a cast he didn't have anything on that so i was like okay well maybe maybe that means that they're just more being precautious like they're like hey he's bang, banged up a little bit dinged up a little bit let's just get him out of there and uh let's make sure that we have him for the rest of the season that's what i'm hopeful for so we'll know the situations with them but uh when miles slusher went out and when uh jalen catalan went out i mean that's that's that was pretty brutal and then Again, people are wondering what does that have to do with cornerback, especially if they're at the safety position. Like people forget, like safety position, like Jalen Catalan, when he was out on the field, the, the the secondary was in good shape. Like, and they weren't perfect. So I'm not trying to because someone will be like, well, what about this one play? Yes, plays like that are gonna happen. You're not gonna be locked down the entire game. But overall, the secondary was in good shape when Catalan was in there and Susher was in there. And when they went out, you saw the deficiency there. You saw that there was a, a pretty significant step back. And, you know, safe, there was the, not the, really the safety help over top. Uh, I think that the man-to-man the -man coverage was definitely lacking. Like, And that's where Cincinnati really took advantage of it. So you got to give a lot of credit to them. Um, he said Ladarius Bishop getting burned like that was, was, a, was a bad deal. But overall, it was, it was frustrating. It was annoying. But it's fixable. I think so. Because everyone was like, oh, Spencer Rattler's just going to eat us alive. No, he's not. Stop. Stop. Like, the overreaction from people is just mind-blowing. And, and again, like, it, it doesn't have to be so black and white. Like, it doesn't have to be like you either say the cornerbacks are great or the cornerbacks are terrible. Like, can't you be somewhere in the middle where you're saying, hey, there are good plays here. They are going to be fine. There are reasons to believe that they're going to be a solid group of guys while also saying that there are some things they need to work on like you can do both it's not just clear as crystal where it's like they either are amazing or they suck even though people like to put the categories in sports that way and it, it's just a little more complicated than that and also we had one game of it because i i will i will bet you dollars to donuts especially after seeing south carolina's offense in game one that South since a rattler is not going to eat Arkansas alive. Like I just don't believe that. I don't believe it. I think that the lack of pressure at times also didn't do the quarterbacks any favors. Which there were times it got good. There were times it was there. But I think the the lack of getting to the quarterback and trying to make him make a, a quick decision was also uh, impactful in these games as well. So you know it's it's an all encompassing thing. But the cornerbacks are definitely the, the was the biggest weakness I saw on Saturday. And so hopefully uh, they figure that position out. Maybe they move some guys around. Maybe they uh, just had bad game. You know, there they could be that. So what you could be hopeful for too. Like there could be a lot of different things, a lot of different reasons as to why the team didn't look as good as what we had all hoped, or at least that unit. But I still think there's plenty of reason to believe that it'll be okay. I still think there's plenty of talent there. I still think that they'll get better as the season goes on. And I still think that, Hoping and praying when Miles Slusher comes back, as well as Jalen Catalan, and they're healthy, good to go. Like that's that's going to be big. Like you got to get Catalan back. Like Slusher's a big deal too, like because he's an experienced guy at that nickel position. You need him, but Catalan, that's the big dog. You got to get him back. He has to be healthy because if he and and again, knock on wood, we'll find out hopefully more today. But if he's out for a significant period of time, oh man, you can still be all right, but. I don't feel as confident. I don't feel as good about it. So hopefully, Jalen, hopefully, old Catman, you're uh, you're able to come back and, and be healthy and all that stuff too. So cornerbacks need work. There's no doubt. 
Um, and I think that uh, Barry Odom will do a good job of getting those guys ready. I think Dominic Bowman is a really good cornerback coach. I think he'll continue to get those guys and, and develop and, and learn a lot from that game against Cincinnati. And they'll put some pieces together, put some things together. And they'll come out being a bigger, bigger and better team than what they were this past weekend as well. We'll get to our final takeaway from the Arkansas-Cincinnati game coming up after this on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so final segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast and my final takeaway from this Arkansas and Cincinnati game, which some of you are going to laugh at me for and give me crap for, which is fine uh, because of how my prediction went and everything. Uh, but here's here's my takeaway. Say what you want about the game. Have your opinion about the game. Cincinnati is a lot better of a team than I thought they would be. I'll admit it. Cincinnati, some of you will be like, I tried to tell you. Fine. Okay. But Cincinnati, even though they lost a lot of pieces from last year's college football playoff team, folks, that team probably will go 11-1 and one again. Like, they're going to win double-digit games. Luke Fickle's phenomenal. Like, that dude is a coach that belongs in the SEC. He's an SEC-minded coach. He's got great recruiting. He preaches and teaches physicality and toughness. And he's found a field goal kicker, because apparently that's been an ongoing issue. Had some penalties there. Uh, overall, like a lot of them, actually. But that dude is a great coach. And that Cincinnati team, I, I was thinking about it after the end of the game, and I started looking at the rest of the schedule, which we'll know and we'll see uh, how, how some of those things go, too. And, in fact, I'll have a few comments here in the end about overall the SEC from the weekend. But uh, I, overall, I was just, like, impressed. I was really impressed by how good they were, how physical they were. That looked like an SEC team. And I was thinking that after that game, you can make an argument that Cincinnati will for sure be a top three team that Arkansas plays this year. Of, of, the, of all their 12 games, that I think that was at least their third toughest game of the season. Alabama's number one. We all know that. Number two, we'll see. Could be BYU. Could be AM. Mississippi State looked good. Like, we'll see. Maybe Cincinnati could be even two, but they're no lower than three. Like that was going to, and so that's what gives me a little bit more hope too, where it's like you got out of there with a win against a team that is going to have double digit wins this year, win their conference, and is really well coached and a very physical team. So that gives me a little bit more solace. And so that was a takeaway that I had because I was just like impressed. And I don't think that there was a lot of things that Arkansas did or didn't do that people were saying how bad it, like, oh, we can't block. Oh, we can't do this. Oh, we can't do that. I'm like, you know, you got to look at it in the lens of it is still a football game with another team on the other side. It's not always about you. Sometimes on the other side of the ball, the other team is pretty good too. Sometimes on the other side of the ball, they got some pretty good players as well. It happens. You know what? If your line gets lets the guy come through, is that your line not blocking or is that the a great play by the defensive player? You know, like, if your cornerback gets beat deep, does that mean that your cornerback sucks? Or does that mean they just got a phenomenal wide receiver out there that's got a lot of speed? Sometimes you got to look at it through that lens, too. And that's where I'm giving a lot of credit to Cincinnati. Arkansas won this game by seven points, not because they were a bad team and Arkansas, or Arkansas played poorly. Arkansas did not play bad. And anybody that says Arkansas played bad, just you need to watch more football. 
Did they play the best? No. But they didn't play bad. Cincinnati's a really good team. And you got to give a lot of credit to them. And I think that once the end of the season comes through and Arkansas has a great year, which we're all anticipating and hoping for, we're going to look back on that Cincinnati game and be like, man, that's a huge win. That Cincinnati team went 11-1. and one. You know, their only loss was to us. Like, I'm, like I would be shocked if we didn't look back on that game and, and look at it in a different light once the end of the season happens. So they're better. They're a great team. And a lot of respect to them and a lot of respect to Luke Fickle. Uh, so those of you who are just thinking that, oh, my gosh, we suck. This We should be pounding this team. Well, I thought we would pound them, too, but they shocked me. They surprised me. They're a lot better than what I thought. So uh, I'll, I'll admit it. But I, I'm hoping that that's going to be an easier game upcoming this weekend against South Carolina, which I know we'll preview throughout this week, too. I'm hoping that, of course, it's going to be Missouri State after that, and then a huge game against A&M. So got to keep it moving, but I would be hard-pressed to think that Arkansas struggles more with South Carolina than they did BYU. Just don't see that happening, at least not at this point in time. But we'll talk about predictions and everything later. Uh, also, real quick, I know we're uh, you know, we're going to be ending the podcast soon, but I wanted to bring up some of the things that came from the SEC uh, real quick. Shout out to the SEC and the dominance that they showed over the weekend, 13-1 and one in, in all their games. And so Arkansas was got a lot of credit for it. Alabama and Georgia look stupid, just stupid. Like Alabama played Utah State, so whatever. But Georgia just put the hammer down on it out in Oregon. So they look scary once again. It'll probably be those two teams again, and probably those teams in the college football playoff again. But man, they look good. Uh, honestly, the only teams that really look good from the SEC, like good, I would say, is Bama and Georgia. I still think Arkansas looked good because it was a good win. Say what you want. I still think they look good. Uh, Mississippi State looked really good too in their game against Memphis. Um, but besides that, nobody really stood out. Oh, in Florida, duh, that was a huge game. And I, I don't want to do my own horn, but I actually called that game. I had a feeling that Florida was going to win that because I love Billy. I think Billy Napier is a phenomenal coach. I still think that LSU should have hired him. Talk about that in a second. Um, but I think he's going to go down to Florida, would take that talent that Dan Mullen left and, and really uh, blow it up and really do a really good job. So I, I'm really impressed by them, and I think they're going to be scary. They may be a team, especially with uh, Anthony Richardson, that may be competing for the East. That East may be a lot more enticing because you got Georgia, who's great, but then you got Florida, who looks a lot better. You got Tennessee, who can score a ton of points. Uh, Kentucky, people still keep sleeping on them. So it could be a pretty interesting thing in the East this year because you have some good quality teams. But Florida, I, like, I think five teams look good in the SEC this year or this in this first week. Five teams Bama, Georgia, Arkansas, Florida, Mississippi State. Like, those are the five teams that look good. Then there are teams that are just kind of like whatever, you know, like AM beating Stephen F. Austin or whoever they played 31 nothing with lightning delay. Like, nah, I mean, they didn't look great. Ole Miss didn't look awesome. They beat Troy. Okay. Um, you know, it's like Missouri. What could you take away from them? Really? Tennessee, they smoked those teams. You know, Kentucky was fine. Like Fanny, you beat Elon Sweet. Like some of them are just kind of like whatever. Now, the teams that look bad, though, that thing that happened last night and that LSU. Florida State game that that they should those coaches those players everybody involved in that football game needs to sit down get on their knees and pray to the football gods begging for forgiveness for going out there and showing that type of display of football quote unquote because that was that was one of the most disgusting games I've ever seen in my life the most poorly coached game poorly executed game both teams looked like they just did not want to win. It should have ended in a tie. It's 
what it should have done. They should have just said no overtime, no nothing, just ended in a tie. But like Florida State, Mike Norvell. I don't think Mike Norvell is a great coach. I think like and he think he's I think he's going to get fired after this year. I don't think he's a great coach. I think that like they're just so undisciplined, and the fact that LSU missed that extra point to to tie it with one no time on the clock, like to go to overtime, and they got it blocked. Pathetic. They got a field goal blocked. They got an extra point blocked. They had two muff punts. Special teams was disgusting for LSU. That's what lost them the game essentially. But also Florida State was trying to give it to them with the fumble on the goal line where they could have just punched it in for a touchdown to, to seal the game. Didn't do it. Whatever. I mean, whatever you want to call it. It was just a disgusting display. Now you got problems with LSU players, it seems like. Some people were really upset. You got uh, you got some guys like, uh, was it Bouts or Boots, however you say his name, the great wide receiver, deleted all of his LSU stuff off Instagram. So uh, looks looks really uh, looks really dicey here in the beginning for LSU, which I'm sure none of you Razorback fans have any issues with whatsoever. And you're probably no not crying over spilled milk in that one. Uh, but uh, that's just, I, I don't know. I think that Brian Kelly is going to be in for rude awakening this year. I just don't see them being very, like they, they, that was the most, I understand it's first year and all of that. And I get it. It's against a big opponent for state. I get all that, but that was the most poorly coached season opener from what's supposed to be a great coach, great team that I've ever seen. Like I can make excuses. Like I don't think Sam Pittman play a uh, coach, the most cleanest game in his first game, but it's almost like, okay. First year coach, you know, sometimes those things happen. Um, and then sometimes you could even make the argument for, you know, <laughs> new coaches being there, <clears throat> being there as well. Like, uh, like, you know, just the transitional of like trying to get things into the swing of things and trying to get everybody to understand. Like I can see that from that angle, but Brian Kelly and LSU and, and that mix and what I saw on, on last night against Florida state, I don't know what that was. That was, that was worse than I could have ever imagined. Brian Kelly has been doing this a long time. And his team looked like they had never played, like never practiced. It looked embarrassing. It looked awful. And again, I ain't crying about it. I know you are crying about it, Razorback fans, but who knows? Maybe that could be another nice little game that Arkansas could take care of business at home. We'll see. But overall, just great to have college football back. Great to have week one done. And we'll see how it goes from there. Appreciate everybody listening in to Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.